fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Wild card weekend is in the books, and our wild and wacky first mock draft of 2019 has concluded as well. We're going to go over all that stuff here on Monday, January 7th. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. Joining me is Dave Richard. As you can tell, Adam Azer is still on his family time leave, enjoying his wonderful child and, and hopefully his wife as well. Uh, Heath Cummings will be back with us this week. At least that's what I'm told by our esteemed colleague, Chris Towers. And so we will get into a little bit what Heath's been up to and go over uh, a little bit more of our mock draft later on in the week. But we're going to go over some fun stuff. Uh, today. I'll get into that in a second. Dave, how was uh, your uh, wild card weekend viewing? It was it was incredible. It was fun to be uh, with my family to watch some football. Yeah, first time uh, this year where mm-hmm. really I was able to like watch all the games with them, and you know, the, my son and daughter pepper me with questions about football. My daughter more so with like the rules of the game. My son about uh, you know where did Dontrell Inman go to college, Dad? And, That's fine. You know, like, and your, and your son like is like fourteen. That. He's fourteen. And your daughter is uh, eleven. Eleven. But yeah. she's like, yeah, and they're both big time soccer players now. Yes. Like that's their sport. And my, so my oldest son is uh, six, and he kept asking me. He's uh, we just finished our father son fantasy league, which we won, uh, and he was very into it. And but now he keeps asking me who's the best quarterback in the NFL: mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady? Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers? Patrick yep. Mahomes or uh, I get that too. And then he said, "Who's the worst quarterback in the NFL?" And I had to think about it for a second, and I said, "Nathan Peterman." <laughs> and he said, what team does he play for? And I said, the Raiders. And he goes, I think they're out of it. I go, I think you're right, buddy. Uh-huh. It's funny how the kids are, you know, picking up on what we do mm-hmm. and asking questions about it and learning from it. And this was my son's first year playing fantasy. And he ran a bunch of teams all on his own. He made the playoffs in a couple of them. He won one of them, I think. And he made all of his own decisions. He'd ask me and I'd give him some ideas and he'd run with it and that's it but it's it was great to spend time with them I hope you got the chance to do that too Jay. Uh, I did. Yeah, it was uh it was a fun weekend and you know glad uh glad to watch some good endings. I don't know if they were good football games. There were some good endings uh you know to to yesterday at least uh, see the Ravens try and come back in that loss to the Chargers and the Eagles Bears game as we know was a good ending uh, depending on what side of it you're on obviously but uh, we'll get into that a little bit. So the show rundown that we're going to go over today, we'll uh, we'll go through our first six rounds of the mock draft. Uh, we'll do round seven through twelve on Thursday. I'm curious to get Heath Cummings' take on some of our teams uh, in this draft because he was not part of it. So to see how his uh, outside view, uh, along with probably all of you who are listening to this, we'll go through again the first six rounds. Some interesting picks: Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown still going in the first round, despite some controversy surrounding those two guys. One with the entire season, one lately with Antonio Brown. We talked about that last week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went in round two, uh, so first quarterback off the board there. And then Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook fell to round three, so I'm curious to get your take on that, Dave, when we get into how that all unfolded, that those two guys, which are probably going to be second-round picks in the majority of leagues, how they slipped into round three. We'll go over the uh, the wild card round again. I'm sure all of you know this by now, but I will just say it anyway. The Colts beat the Texans 21-7. to Cowboys beat the Seahawks 24-22. Chargers won 23-17. Eagles won 16-15, and that sets up the divisional round. Colts at Chiefs, Chargers at Patriots, which will be on CBS, Cowboys at Rams, and Eagles at Saints. Some interesting lines with those games 
Saints, I know this just from doing our, our segment on CBS Sports HQ, uh, the Saints are a nine-point favorite over the Eagles. Can they stop Nick Foles and the Foles magic? Uh, but we'll also go through some of your uh, text, mess, uh, text your tweets from last week. I know I requested a bunch of those. I said we would get to them, so I'm going to do a little bit rapid fire with uh, with Dave here on some of your keeper and dynasty questions. You can continue to email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. See, I got it right this time. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's only been 15 years. You think I should know it by now. Uh, we'll get into some more of your emails on uh, on Thursday. Your biggest takeaway from Wild Card Weekend was what? My biggest takeaway was that offense didn't dominate like I thought it would. I thought we'd see a lot more action in the end zone. I really? Thought, I, I thought we'd see more scoring, certainly in that first game. Uh, and then, given with I, all these defenses, though, you thought that that yeah, would be I, I I thought that game between the the Texans and Colts would be a shootout. I thought that would be higher scoring. Uh, I I got the the scoring that I thought we'd get in that Seahawks Cowboys game. Uh, I thought the Ravens were absolutely disgusting. Yeah, and I thought there'd be a few more points at least from the Bears side uh, in the game Eagles against Philadelphia. Great right Eagles, now. yeah, they really are. And you know, the other takeaway that I'll give you is that young quarterbacks did not play well. Trubisky did not have a great game. He had a bunch of interceptions. I don't think he does because he's he's played in a playoff game before. It's his third year in the league. So first time playoff starter. Let's call it that. Okay. And you look at next week, and Patrick Mahomes is going to make his first start. I don't know if he's in that same type of group. I think the Colts win. I don't think that's crazy. I, I haven't I haven't picked any of the games yet. I, I'm I'm not ready to go on any I, uh, predictions for any of the games. I walked I walked in the door and they said, "Hey, we're doing a quick uh, pick segment um, on on CBS Sports HQ with you and Pete Prisco and drink." And uh, I was like, "Okay, uh, can somebody tell me the lines?" Because I had <laughs> I had no idea. So I took uh, I t- and and this is this is still early, but I took the three underdogs minus the uh, the Patriots. Chargers game, which is a four and a half point spread. Patriots. You took favorite. the Patriots there. I took the Patriots to cover. I took the Rams are a seven point favorite. I took the the uh, I took the Cowboys to cover that one, and I took the Colts to cover the five and a half point spread that the Eagles are favored. So the Colts. Colts are favored by five and a half over the Chiefs. Chiefs. Are favored by five and a half over That's the Colts. That's right. I took the you took Colts, Colts with the points, that, and you took the Eagles. I took with the Patriots the with the points. I took the Cowboys with the points, and I took the Eagles with the points. I think the Saints win by a touchdown, but nine points is a little bit too high for me. Um, it's it's funny you mentioned the scoring. So just a fun fantasy note that all the quarterbacks not named Philip Rivers scored between eighteen and twenty two points in their respective games. The high was Russell Wilson at twenty two. Only Andrew Luck, Lamar Jackson, and Nick Foles. Threw for multiple touchdowns, threw for multiple touchdowns. Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson ran for a touchdown, and Trubisky, the only quarterback over 300 yards passing. So, uh, fun little stats there with just how the quarterbacks perform. We'll get into a little bit more of that as we go on. Before we get into the mock draft, I want to talk to you guys about one of today's sponsors, forhims.com. And the URL you want to go to is forhims.com slash FFT. That's forhims.com. Slash FFT. This is a great product for men who want to be proactive about hair loss. And at forhims.com slash FFT, you can get a trial month for just $5. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Do something about it. It's easier to keep the hair you have than replace the hair you've lost. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. You'll get well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. You don't have to wait in a waiting room anymore. Just answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review and can prescribe you. Remember, our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 while supplies last. See the website for full details. This 
would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash FFT. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash FFT. So we had our 12-team PPR mock draft last week. Uh, it was right before the start of the playoffs. So some things may or may not have changed as a result of what happened in wildcard weekend. And it was 12 people in our office. Uh, again, PPR is the scoring format. We did 15 rounds. So, uh, nine starters, six reserves. And again, what we're going to do today is go through our first six rounds. Uh, so spend a little bit more time on it and then we'll go through rounds seven through 12 on Thursday. So for those of you looking for a little bit more in depth about what happened in the latter half of the draft, we'll cover that, uh, in next, on our next show. Um, and then we'll go over what our teams look like. So round one looks like this. Uh, Todd Gurley, number one, Saquon Barkley, number two, Ezekiel Elliott, number three, Christian McCaffrey, four, Alvin Kamara, five, DeAndre Hopkins, six. I picked at number seven. I took Devontae Adams. Number eight was uh, Melvin Gordon. Number nine, Le'Veon Bell, 10, Michael Thomas, 11, Antonio Brown, and Dave picked at number 12 and took Julio Jones. So Gurley, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, Kamara, Hopkins, Adams, Gordon, Bell, Thomas, Brown, Julio. So Dave, I think the first, I don't know, Seven, eight picks are probably going to be the top eight picks that we see in most drafts with the six running backs and two wide receivers. Now, it could be a different order of the receivers. I know you still like Antonio Brown first as long as he's a member of the Steelers. Uh, some people may prefer Julio Jones in the top two. I think Heath has it that way in PPR. Uh, my two top two went. It's Hopkins and Adams, so I, I don't think there's any big difference there. And then the six running backs are probably going to be the six running backs that you see. Gurley, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, Kamara, and Gordon. At number nine, however, that's where I think the draft kind of became a little bit more interesting, and Le'Veon Bell went there. That's the spot I think you would take him. Is that correct? I might go receiver there. I'll tell you what. So I know that we've talked about how I I looked at Le'Veon Bell as a first-round pick, and I saw that I was picking 12th, and I started to get into my mind, all right, if Le'Veon Bell makes it to 12, I have to take him. I've ranked him as a top 12, uh, and and I I didn't love that. I didn't I didn't quite love it as much as I thought I would when I rank these guys, mm -hmm. put it on paper, and then you walk into the draft room, and I, I'm not so sure about that. So when I saw Le'Veon Bell go ninth, I actually well, you would, was, you would have taken I was actually happy. You would have taken Antonio Brown at that spot, right? I would have taken Brown. Okay, so just to give you an idea of some of the running backs it, that Bell went ahead of, and, and again, we're going to talk about where these guys were drafted, but he went ahead of James Conner, ahead of David Johnson, ahead of Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and Dalvin Cook. And as I alluded to at the start of the show, Chubb and Cook fell to the third round. Now, just for transparency, and this is something that, you know, if we did this draft again, it may be uh, uh, an entirely different order, probably again outside of those first eight picks. We were kind of doing this on the fly. We were doing using an old draft room for us on CBS Sports. It does not have any current projections. It does not have any current rankings. And so for myself and Dave, we have a little bit of an advantage because we know the players that we're searching for. Most people that were using any sort of a guide were using our stat pages. Um, so they were kind of, you know, searching for players and it was a little bit more of a difficult exercise. But it's just kind of giving you an idea of, okay, you have to be a little bit aware of who you're searching for and maybe we're in the spots that they should go to. So uh, just take that into account when you listen to some of the results of this. And I just want to be as transparent as possible so you know why maybe some of the players fell to the spots that they fell. Is that so. to say that you disagreed with where some of these players Well, were? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, again, we'll see where Le'Veon Bell signs. I 
do not expect him to be a first-round pick for me by any stretch. And it's going to be difficult for me to put him anywhere close to the first 20 overall picks. He may sneak into the back end of round two, but I do not see myself ranking him as a top 12 running back, certainly not a top 10 guy, and it's probably going to be in that 13 to 15 range. Uh, but you said so So you you were happy to see Le'Veon Bell go because you picked a 12. I think I would have, like, if I had gotten Le'Veon Bell, I would have ended up taking him with the first pick in round two just to say, well, look, I got him with the first pick in round two, but it's basically the same thing. Okay. I don't know. I, I was a little squeamish about it just because of the uncertainty. Um, but I, honestly, I thought about it, and I, th- I think the Jets are probably going to be the most likely destination. They've got the most money to spend. And that scares me a little bit. If it's anywhere else, even the Raiders, I think I'd be okay with it. I just don't know if I'm okay with it where I initially had him. That's why it's an initial rankings, and we've got time right. to go. And so because and I think, Le'Veon wins, I think, I think we made that pretty clear. And, and continue. I just want sure. to make it really clear, like you know, the the rankings that we talked about, the rankings that you see on our site are going to change a thousand times between now and now. There could be a team that comes out of nowhere that takes Le'Veon Bell, and suddenly you're going to be the high guy on Le'Veon Bell. I doubt it. Well, it could happen. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But that's the whole point. Sure. Anyway, Le'Veon Bell goes, and uh, I had in my queue Julio Jones, James Conner, or Antonio Brown, James Conner, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. Very happy to know I was going to get two of those four guys. Sure. Uh, and I believe in James Conner. believe in that Steelers offense. If they don't make too many changes this offseason, I think it'll be great. And Connor can pick up where he left off last year. Yeah, so uh, we'll get to that. You took Connor with the first pick in round two. Uh, Antonio Brown at number 11. Now he's going to be probably, at this point, just based on the the recency of it, uh, a little bit more controversial in the first round, maybe so, than, than even Le'Veon Bell because uh, the position that Bell plays is versus Bell plays versus the position that Brown plays. So Brown went at number 11. Uh, he was the fourth receiver off the board. Michael Thomas went before him at pick number 10, and he went ahead of, and this is you know something that you may take into account, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Tyree Kill, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And the reason I went that far was because Juju was the last one selected of this group that I just named. Our colleague, Keith Cummings, who we'll talk about this on Thursday, likes Juju Smith-Schuster ahead of Antonio Brown. And you can see those rankings on our site. It's our top 12 initial rankings for 2019. He has, and I believe this is correct, Juju at number 6 and Antonio Brown at number seven. So you still think that Brown is a first-round pick. You would have taken Brown had he fallen to you at 12. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I probably will adjust that if he uh, changes teams, but if he stays with the Steelers, he will still be my third receiver off the board, uh, at least as of now. I do see him trending in the wrong direction as opposed to trending in the right direction, but he still should be a top-five receiver. Uh, Heath may have a little bit too low, but I understand Heath's thinking. Again, he can defend that for himself when he comes back on Thursday. And we'll know where Antonio Brown's playing pretty soon after the start of the league new year. The Steelers owe him money. I think it's two and a half million bucks on the fifth day of the season. So by late March, we'll know if he's a Steeler or not. Well, that's if they have a trade partner. They may not have a trade partner if they'll draft. They may have to pay, eat that bonus. Uh, I would imagine they would have a trade partner before then. This, this is one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. I'd be surprised if they didn't have a trade partner. I mean, they're going to be asking for the moon, and I don't know why anybody would spend that for a guy that's 31 years old. So, well, uh, what's the moon? Would would I you mean, give you're, up? You're, you're, I think I think they'll get a first form. I wouldn't give a first form. I think a team will give up a first round pick for Antonio Brown. Mm. A little bit too. Mari Cooper got a first round pick. 
at 25 years old. There's a big difference yeah, in those six he's years. He's better. He's a little better than Amari Cooper. Sure, but you have to pay him, and you have to invest a lot in him, plus sacrifice your future for somebody that you know could be a problem and could be an issue in terms of what his production is going to be moving forward. Who knows if he's the same guy with a different quarterback? If he has a younger quarterback that's inconsistent, well, we've, we've seen it. I mean, the numbers right. without Ben Roethlisberger. That's a fair point, and I mentioned this on our last podcast that the chemistry between Brown and Roethlisberger is real, and he would have to start all over with a new quarterback. Uh, yeah, and it could be a worse quarterback. I mean, the Jets could spend their draft capital now to try and get somebody in there. The the 49ers were said to be interested in um, Odell Beckham. You know, there a lot of a lot of players are actively recruiting Antonio Brown. So we'll see how this all plays itself out. All right, so we go to round two now, and uh, Dave kicks it off. James Conner, number one in the start of this round. Uh, so it goes James Conner, Patrick Mahomes, and the first quarterback comes off the board at pick 14 overall. David Johnson, Odell Beckham, Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey to me, so the first tight end off the board at number 18 overall. Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Evans, Zach Ertz, and T.Y. Hilton. Again, that's James Conner, Mahomes, David Johnson, Beckham, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Thielen, Cooper, Juju, Mike Evans, Zach Ertz, and T.Y. Hilton. Those guys wrap up round two. Two running backs. Two that's running it. backs. And, and again, I think that was probably the biggest surprise of seeing Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon for sure slip into round three. I think those guys are going to be almost surefire round two guys uh, in the majority of drafts next season. And in some cases, they may go ahead of James Conner. Uh, they probably will certainly go ahead of David Johnson. So we'll see. Format will depend on how those guys are viewed. But, um, you know, in some cases, again, I think you may see them for sure go ahead of David Johnson just based on what happened to Johnson this past season and where guys, especially in terms of Nick Chubb's case, uh, how he performed in his rookie year. In 2018. So we talked a lot about where Patrick Mahomes may get drafted. Uh, we'll see how he performs in his first playoff game, like Dave alluded to. First, uh, first game in the playoffs from, well, as a starter, he obviously played in the playoffs last year, didn't play, was in the playoffs, uh, for the Chiefs. Um, how do you think, uh, of the, what did you think of the value for Mahomes at 14th? Over? Very surprised. Very surprised that he went as soon as he did. But it's a team picking early in round two, which means they won't pick again until late round three. He probably realized that Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to be there in late round three. So uh, it was George Maselli who made the pick, and George decided to splurge on quarterback. He obviously values Mahomes so strongly that he's willing to pass up. Look at all these receivers and tight ends. And even David Johnson passed them all up to get Patrick Mahomes on his squad. Now, the people that had Mahomes on their fantasy teams this year and they won their leagues, they're probably nodding right along with me right now saying, yeah, that's what you got to do. He's awesome. He's going to win you your league. I'm not so sure he's going to be – 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns two years in a row. I think he'll be really good. I thought it was early. It surprised me. It definitely surprised me. I, I would have expected him probably somewhere in the latter half of round two, again, given our drafts. But like you said, if you want him, uh, I'm always a proponent of that. If there's somebody you want, right or wrong, make sure you get him. And that was the only time that uh, George would be able to get Mahomes. Uh, doubtful he would have fallen to round three. However, just to give you a little tease of what's coming up, the next quarterbacks did not come off the board until round five. So maybe he does slip to round three. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure somebody at the end of the second round probably would have considered it. But that's where George pulled the trigger. And hopefully if we were to play this out, it would work out in George's favor. Uh, you alluded to this. Uh, I said it when I read the results. Two tight ends came off the board in this round. Travis Kelsey in round and at number 18 overall. Zach Ertz at number 23 overall. We talked about this a little bit on our different platforms. Uh, you were under the impression, I think, that some of the tight ends would get to the latter half of round two. 
Uh, maybe in the Ertz range would be the first guy that came off the board. I think just based on our conversations, yep. that's what you were thinking. Uh, I thought actually that they would both come off a little bit sooner. Well, Kelsey in, in that range, I thought Ertz would be a little bit sooner than 23 overall, and I thought that George Kittle would creep into the end of round two. And again, maybe he would have if we were looking at traditional rankings, traditional draft room with projections where he's going to go. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine this weekend that thought that Zach Ertz, and this was right after the Dallas Goddard touchdown, Zach Ertz is going to lose significant value next year because of Goddard and that George Kittle, potentially Hunter Henry and OJ Howard should be drafted ahead of them. I'm not there yet, but I can see where Goddard is going to be a little bit of a pain in the butt for Zach Ertz. I could see Goddard not necessarily taking targets away from Ertz. I think Goddard's just going to get more playing time and take targets away from everybody in the Philadelphia offense. He's so big and such a, a tough cover for anybody in the league, just like Zach Ertz is. And now the Eagles are going to be able to roll out both of those guys play after play. In, in, in some ways, it'll hurt Ertz, obviously, because Goddard could be, let's call him the third most targeted player in Philly's offense. Could be the second. Could be the second. And I bet he'll be the second in the red zone. But it'll make it harder for defenses to clamp down on Ertz. It's almost like double trouble, like what the Patriots had back in the day with Gronk and Hernandez. And it caused nightmares for defenses trying to cover both of those guys. Almost assuredly, every week, one of them went off. It makes me a little excited about Goddard. And maybe he's going to be one of those late-round tight ends that we can start to feel good about taking. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you know, like you said, he could be a problem for them in the red zone. He scored uh, on four targets with two catches for 20 yards. Ertz was still the second most, third most targeted Eagles receiving option in the playoffs against the Bears. He had five catches for 52 yards on seven targets. That was behind Alshon Jeffrey and Golden Tate. So we'll see how this Eagles receiving core looks next season. But those could be the top four guys along with now Darren Sproles is saying he wants to potentially return. So those five guys would be the main receiving options. The one thing I will say is that what we saw throughout the regular season with Carson Wentz, he leaned on Zach Ertz very, very heavily, more so than Nick Foles has True. with Foles' time as a starter. So this is where the tight ends come in. Again, the receivers were very dominant in this round. Uh, you're seeing some very good value picks from guys like Beckham, who's usually a first-round pick. Uh, Adam Thielen, who some people think could be a top-12 wide receiver, he goes in the middle of this round. And Mark Cooper, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, again, Heath likes him better than Antonio Brown. T.Y. Hilton, Mike Evans, two guys that are going to be toward the back end, I think, of the top 12 of wide receivers. So this was a very wide receiver heavy round uh, for round number two. Now, it, round three, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, which two or three players from round two do you think are going to end up being in round three by players that were taken in our draft in round three that could move up? I don't think Amari Cooper will be a round two pick. I don't think that Adam Thielen will be a round two pick. I don't think that Mike Evans will be a round two pick. And I you know, I could see a situation where you get uh, maybe T.Y. Hilton in the third round also. And probably Tyreek Hill, too. I, I mean, I think it just, you know, you're looking at it. I think Keenan Allen should be ahead of a, a few of those guys just based on what he typically does in PPR. Definitely Nick Chubb, definitely Dalvin Cook. And I do think by the time we get to August, you're going to see George Kittle at the end of the third round. I think you'll, I, and I think you'll see running backs trickle up the draft board, too, compared to what we saw here. Because I mean, we've talked about it with Cook and Chubb falling to round three. There's other running backs that fell that I bet end up trickling up higher, too. And it'll just further push down wide receivers like the ones you said, Cooper, uh, Thielen. Those two for sure, Evans for sure. I think those guys are going to end up being round three picks and good round three picks. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great round and 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 like those are going to be number one wide receivers for the, for fantasy owners that are early on in round one taking one of those stud running backs. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's it's going to be this. You want to be in the top six this year? Uh, I I think so. Yeah, I mean I don't have a problem. Rock with solid stud 
running back one, great player in round two, and a good enough wide receiver one in round three. Yeah, I, I still think, though, if you're in the back end, you're still getting two studs, and you can go you know, Gordon, Connor, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, any of those guys at the back end of round one or beginning of round two, um, along with you know one of potentially Hopkins, Adams, Brown, Thomas, Julio. That's not a bad start either. And then you'll see what ends up at the back end of round three as we get to this now. So first pick of round three is Joe Mixon, followed by Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Philip Lindsay to me, uh, George Kittle, A.J. Green, Brandon Cooks, Chris Carson, and then Dave takes on Johnson to end the third round. So just to recap that, Joe Mixon, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Philip Lindsay, George Kittle, A.J. Green, Brandon Cooks, Chris Carson, and Carryon Johnson. So the running backs, I think, were the most obvious players in this round that kind of stand out and say, okay, why did they fall? And is it just as a result of not seeing them, paying attention to them, or did they fall for a reason? So Mixon, beginning of round three, how early would you have taken Joe Mixon? I think he's another candidate to trickle up into round two. Oh, I think he's going to be in the top 15 picks. I, I think this was a, a, a steep fall for him. It probably won't happen in drafts come July and sure. August. Um, he's going to be up there. Yeah, I think so. And and Nick Chubb is somebody that I, I would take him over Le'Veon Bell personally. I think he's right there with James Conner. Um, in non-PPR, uh, he's, I think, going to be probably my, my sixth or seventh running back. I, I just love the upside for him in this Browns offense. Coach will be a big factor in who they decide on. But he looked impressive as a rookie when he finally got his opportunity. We know what he did at college. So pedigree is there and performance certainly was there as well and then Dalvin Cook look he closed the season with the new offense coordinator when Kevin Stefanski took over looking like the guy we hoped he would be all season long now health is going to be an issue for him can he stay on the field for 16 games he has yet to do that as a second year player now heading into his third season so hopefully that will be uh, a situation for him and then probably the surprise for me in this round was Derrick Henry Um, not necessarily because I don't think he'll be a third round pick in non-PPR but in PPR um, he shouldn't go ahead of Dalvin Cook and probably not ahead of some of these receivers, certainly A.J. Green. I think you should take A.J. Green and George Kittle ahead of uh, Derrick Henry. I agree. I think Henry was a little too soon. I think there will be trepidation on Dalvin Cook, Jamie. I think there's going to be some people that saw all those zeros that he put up because he missed games last year, and, and they're going to be hesitant to take him as a second-round pick. I think this is going to be right around I, – I think it will be a narrow range, but he's going to go somewhere between 23rd and – 30th in every single draft and this was toward the bottom of that he went 30th overall uh chubb i think he's going to be ahead of cook in every single draft i i think he's probably going to be closer to round two in every draft certainly in non-ppr uh in full ppr i was a, a tiny bit surprised i guess that he went 28th overall but even if uh, where would i not be surprised if he went five picks later so i a smidge surprised that he went as high as he did and Ahead of guys like Kittle and AJ Green. Yeah, just, uh, interesting. Very, very interesting with, uh, these guys and, and falling to a spot. And a lot of people, again, they said after draft, oh, I didn't think to take him here. I didn't, you know, and again, if you're looking at a rankings list or a draft room, those guys creep into a little bit higher, uh, spots in round two. Derrick Henry, though, in round three. So we know he closed the season, uh, at least 11 PPR points in his final five games. He rushed for either 84 yards or a touchdown in each game over that span. Um, he did not score in Week 17 against the Colts, but he had over 100 total yards in that game. We know he's limited as a receiver, but what they committed when they committed to him and what he showed us 
was probably the guy we hope to see all season long. Maybe not to the same heights that he showed us uh, against Jacksonville, against the Giants, when he scored at least 30 PPR points in those two games. But do you think Derrick Henry can be a consistent fantasy producer next season? Or was that just a flash in the pan and probably will be overdrafted and be a bust? I'm curious to see if they're going to give him that same type of opportunity at the beginning of the year. In two of the first three games this year, they tried to feed him. He had 18 carries against Houston and against Jacksonville. Granted, those are tough matchups. He didn't score in them. He averaged three yards per carry. I'd, I'd like to know what what Deion Lewis's status is and whether or not he's on the team next year. My hunch is that oh, he will stay. Team. Right. So the, the coaching staff is probably going to believe in Derrick Henry and make him the number one guy, but I think they'll be a little hesitant to give him 17 carries, 16 carries, 21 carries, 33 carries. I don't think there's going to be many games like that at the beginning of the year. I think round three might be... Especially in this PPR format, I think it's just a little too soon, a little too rich for my blood. Non-PPR, I might say late round three on yeah. Henry. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't believe that he'll be as dominant a rusher next year as he was in the last four games this year. And and, and look, they, they didn't have Conklin, the, one of their offensive linemen, for a majority of the season. They changed the way that they went about their run game toward the end of the year, which certainly helped Derrick Henry. And hopefully Marcus Mariota's healthy. You know, I mean, for, for two of those games, Mariota was either hurt or banged up, uh, dealing with that stinger issue. And now same case to open the season, but when they committed to Derrick Henry by the end of the season and, and changed the way they were blocking and how they were operating, it certainly worked out in his favor. I took Philip Lindsay. Um, I think that's a good spot for him in round three. Maybe fill a couple of spots in my opinion as well. I just think he's got that top 12 type of, uh, caliber upside. Um, so I was thrilled to get him as, Really, my first running back, not really my first running back, uh, because I started with Devontae Adams and then Travis Kelsey. So I, I like the way I started uh, my draft. Uh, two running backs at the end of the third round. One you took, but Chris Carson went with the second to last pick. You took the last, or the first, with the penultimate pick, uh, was Chris Carson at number 35 overall. You took Carry on Johnson at 36th overall. What was your thought process with Carry on? Well, can I tie in who I took in round four with him as well? Sure. Can do a little preview there. I took Aaron Jones at the top of round four and I love these picks. I noticed that the running back depth was drying up pretty quickly. And uh, it won't drop quite this quickly come July and August when we've added rookies into the pool and other running backs that we're going to consider breakout players. But I wanted to strike at that position while uh, while I could because I knew that coming back at the end of round five and the beginning of round six, it would be ugly. So I took two fresh, young running backs that uh, ended the season on IR, but hopefully have a lot of gas in the tank for 2019. Yeah, no, I, I like the Aaron Jones pick a lot. Um, I, I think he's got round three uh, upside. I would take him ahead of Derrick Henry, personally. Um, Carryon Johnson was a great pick, too. You know, I, I think you uh, you hit home runs on both of those. Chris Carson, we'll see how he does going into next season. I think round three is a little bit too rich for me because, as we saw, he struggled against the Cowboys. Rashad Penny still looks like he's got so much upside and explosiveness. Obviously, Carson was a beast the end this season, but we'll see how he does to open the 2019 campaign and who, in fact, they view as a starter because we know they had a heavy investment in Rashad Penny next year. So I didn't like Chris Carson at number 35 overall, but I thought you did uh, very well with Carrion Johnson and then Aaron Jones. So let's move on now to round four. Uh, Aaron Jones, the first pick. Sony Michelle, a great pick as well. Uh, Tariq Cohen followed uh, Michelle, then Kenny Galladay, which I thought was a steal in round four. Robert Woods also a steal in round four. I took Julian Edelman. After that, Tyler Boyd, Leonard Fournette, Jarvis Landry, Marlon Mack, which is looking like it's going to be a, a steal as well. Uh, Cortland Sutton, which is a little bit of a surprise, and then Jarek McKinnon. Now we're starting to see some of the injury guys that uh, that didn't play at all. 
uh, come into play here in round four. So just to recap, Aaron Jones, Sony Michelle, Tariq Cohen, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Julian Edelman, Tyler Boyd, Leonard Fournette, Jarvis Landry, Marlon Mack, Cortland Sutton, and Jarek McKinnon. So the first pick that stood out to me was Tyler Boyd. And again, I think you got some steals here. Aaron Jones being one. Sony Michelle, I think, was a great value pick. And Kenny Galladay, who when Heath comes back on Thursday, he'll tell you that he thinks Kenny Galladay is going to be a number one wide receiver in 2019. So I like that value in this spot as well. Uh, but Tyler Boyd, so he's coming off a season where he had over a thousand yards, played really well, uh, fantastic third year breakout player for the Bengals, playing as the second fiddle behind AJ Green. Uh, what do you think of though of him going this early in round four? Thought it was a little too soon in PPR. I think early round five is where he's going to end up going. I thought this was a strange round, by the way. Uh, Tariq Cohen isn't going to go in round four. I don't think. Uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if Leonard Fournette makes it to round four come August. You think it'll be higher? Lower. Oh, um, like a round lower. I think Cortland Sutton was maybe. another one that oh, was, was a big little, reach. Yep. I thought that was a reach too, but I think almost every other pick in this round was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, a lot you- of really good value, good players with good upside. Galladay was a consideration for me. With the swing picks. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, if I felt better about the running back depth that would be available to me with my next two picks, he would have been on my team. No consideration for Marlon Mack since he did go to running back? No, no consideration for Mack. I like I mean, Jones he, he and carry on better. Awesome right now. Uh, the last, you know, three, over 100 yards in three of his last four games. He scored a touchdown now in five straight. This is including the playoffs and that offensive line just looks unbelievable and could potentially get better, uh, next year. So that's just, a. a, a I think a player that a lot of people are going to gravitate toward depending on how far they finish. And I think you're going to see him creep into round three. Uh, he may push himself into the top 12 overall running backs just based on how this offense is looking. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he's well, he's, but then that's the if for him. Well, I mean, because he's healthy we know now. That he is. And when he's healthy, he's great. And when he's not healthy, he's a pain in the butt. So, you know, if you take Marlon Mack, it just means you've got to get the right handcuff for him. Uh, you don't have to do that. You can just load up at depth at running back on from other teams and be just fine. But. I think if you draft Marlon Mack, you can't count on him for even 14 games. So you think that Fournette will end up going lower than round four? I think so. If he's the starter in Jacksonville? I don't know if he'll be the starter in Jacksonville. If he's the starter in Jacksonville? I I, I think people are going to have the same concerns about Fournette that they might have about Marlon Mack, where he might not be able to stay healthy for more than 10, 12 games over the course of a season. No, understood. He's underrated as a pass catcher, and we know that he's a monster at the goal line. But that's an offensive line that we'll see if they all come back healthy and ready to go. I still think even if they all come back at full strength, they still need some help. What's the quarterback situation going to be like? Nick Foles. <laughs> makes the most sense. I mean, they have a defense. I think you're right. I, I, listen, that wouldn't surprise team. me. Uh, it, it would surprise me if Leonard Fournette's back in Jacksonville, and it would surprise me if he was an every down back, if they counted on him like they did coming into this year. Sure. No, I, I think that was, especially since they're keeping Marone as their head coach, Tom Coughlin's still going to be at the top. I think they address the running back position in some way, shape, or form this offseason. Oh, I think for sure. I mean, you know, you have uh, a free agent who's they're definitely not bringing back, at least based on reports, in TJ Yeldon, and Carlos Hyde is probably going to be released because that was a stupid trade that they made. So, uh, unless they were to get rid of Fournette and keep Hyde, then Hyde could be the guy there, and then he may be in consideration in round four. I don't think that would be the case, but nope. Uh, as, uh, we talked about on the show that you missed with Will Brinson, if Fournette does take, uh, take pride in what his craft is, like he said, at the end of the season that he needs to be in better shape and he comes into camp as the guy, whether there's 
a lot of competition or minimal competition. If he's the guy, like we saw as a rookie, when he was healthy, you're going to be thrilled to take him in round four. He's the type of guy that if you take in the right spot can help you win your league if he's right. I mean, that's just the nature of how this game works. If you get talented players sure. that fall in drafts, end up being bounce-back candidates, that's when you end up winning your leagues. Now, Cortland Sutton uh, was taken by one of our uh, CBS Sports HQ hosts, Tommy Tran. I just happened to ask him about it today, how he liked his draft, and he said you know, he felt like he may have taken Sutton too soon. I would agree. Um, if Sutton gets the right quarterback there, let's just say they move on from Case Keenum, can he develop into a number two type fantasy receiver? Yeah, I think he could be a number two type fantasy receiver, but he's going to need a good quarterback and a good aggressive offense, and he's going to need red zone targets. That's I look at him and I see Des Bryant. I think he's got that and kind of potential. Be great. It would be great, but he needs a lot to go right around him in order for for that to happen. Uh, he's not a burner. He's just a really big bodied guy. Sure, he could be. Who's going to need? He's going to need every bit of 120 targets. Sure. To warrant getting taken as a top 50 pick. And just some of the, now this is again, this is where you start to see the fall off at receiver, but some of the guys that he went ahead of, Robbie Anderson, I would have taken Anderson, Doug Baldwin, I would have taken Baldwin, um, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore. So he's in this conversation. He probably just went around too soon. You know, if you take him at the end of round five, maybe beginning around six, then we're talking about, okay, now you got upside. Round four, Feels like it's going yeah, to be downside. You're you're passing on so many other great players, and I also think that might have been a spot where Tommy could have gone quarterback. I would have gone another running back. I mean, at that point, he had Saquon Barkley, and that's it. And there are running backs that went in round five that I think could have been interesting picks for him there too. Yep. That 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 that's also going to be a spot where you'll see rookie running backs go. I don't think there's a slam dunk. Uh, first round rookie like we got this year with no. Saquon or anything like that in this draft, but there will be a lot of running backs that'll be put in good position. Sure. And some free agents that will move. I mean, I took yeah, that, be a Tevin couple. Coleman around six. That's we'll a great one. Sure. TJ Yeldon, somebody else that can end up in the right spot. Carlos Hyde can end up in the right spot. Um, you know, there'll be some guys that are cut. Lamar Miller, maybe a cut candidate. Mark Ingram is somebody that could be on the move. So there are going to be running backs on the market that you could look at and could be more uh, apt in this spot. Jared McKinnon went at the end of round for if he's healthy, this is an interesting spot to consider him. Probably going to be more in the round five-ish range, but uh, McKinnon, first guy that did not play in 2016, excuse me, 2017. 2018. What year were we in? 2018. Didn't play in 2018 uh, coming off the board. So let's go on to round five. Robbie Anderson, first player taken there. Eric Ebron, which I thought was a great pick by Tommy to kick off uh, – his first That's another guy he could have just taken in round late round four. I, w- uh, I wouldn't have a problem with Ebron in late round. No, four. I think Ebron will be maybe even round three guy. I mean, just you know, looking at what the tight end position could be. But in any event, Robbie Anderson, Eric Ebron, James White, Doug Baldwin, and here come the quarterbacks: Aaron Rodgers, Gus Edwards. I took Darius Geis, uh, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram, Lamar Miller, Jordan Howard, and then to close out the round, you took Andrew Luck. So just to recap: Anderson, Ebron, James White. Doug Baldwin, Aaron Rodgers, Gus Edwards, Darius Geis, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram, Lamar Miller, Jordan Howard, and Andrew Luck. Now, again, this was before the playoffs, so there may be some people that have buyer's remorse on Gus Edwards, on Jordan Howard. You know, they didn't exactly perform well. Lamar Miller struggling running the ball, but he was really involved in the passing game. He may have played his last game with the Texans, just depending on what they decide to do. Doug Baldwin had a disappointing playoff performance against the Cowboys as well. So the the quarterbacks... This is, I think, going to be the spot where you start to see these guys go in most of our drafts. I'm sure in most regular drafts, they'll probably start to go in the round three, round four range. But Rodgers was the second guy off the board. Andrew Luck, the third guy off the board to you. 
what do you think about the quarterbacks going in this round? This is a good spot to get them. Uh, I, if I can get Andrew Luck with the last pick in round five in all my drafts, I'll take it right now. Okay. I'll sign up for that right now. I bet by the time we get to August, he's going late round four, early round five. Is our the drafts? second best quarterback. Or, our drafts. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I think in, in average Joe drafts, and not say that average, you know, it's the majority of leagues average people are drafting and that don't do what we do i think andrew luck will go significantly higher no i agree with that i don't think in our drafts he's going in the round four range i think you're just going to see these guys around i think people will take him in round four when they realize that there's not a lot left that's excellent but there was still a lot excellent in this fourth round here there was but toward the end we are we were you know look at who sutton went that was Jerick mckinnon question mark leonard fournette question mark you you have ebron going in round four we're going to get to a few other guys that slipped into this round six round seven range so there's there's still players that are going to be there i I loved getting luck there and uh did i i guess i had a little bit of buyer's remorse later on when other quarterbacks were just going for stupid good value later and that's going to be the case in, in in most drafts but i felt like i was stealing andrew luck from the rest of the league You have been hearing me talk like that about quarterbacks for, what, four or five years now? Like, that's the feeling you've got to have. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't have been the feeling that I would have expected if I had taken Patrick Mahomes in round two. Like, that's – George Maselli took Mahomes in round two. That doesn't feel like a steal to me. That feels a lot different than that. Every other quarterback that got taken felt like anywhere from, wow, that's a really good value to, oh, my God, I'm ripping off the 11 other owners in this league. And that's how I felt about luck, getting him there. And I'm sure Nick Costas felt the same way about Aaron Rodgers, who he says is going to have a uh, throw both middle fingers in the sky and say, here here I am, I'm back. And I think Coach will depend on that goes. But I thought that was going to be the case with Rodgers this past season, and we know that did not come to pass. Uh, but his young receivers will be a year older. We'll see if Randall Cobb's still part of the team. I obviously invested heavily in Devontae Adams with the first-round pick, so I expect Aaron Rodgers to play at a very high level. As of now, Rodgers is still my number two quarterback ahead of Andrew Luck. So we'll see. How that plays itself out. Uh, Darius Geis, like I said, I took him in round five, number uh, 55 overall. What do you think about that pick? I'm uh, I'm intrigued by it. I think if we get to – right, all right, let me start over. As of now, I think it's a little too high. Okay. Doesn't mean it's going to be a bad pick. This might look amazing come August if Darius Geis is running around and doing his thing in Washington. We just don't know. We don't know how how ready he'll be for the start of the season. We know that he had a setback recovering from the ACL injury. So I I would not have taken him in round five of a draft in early January, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad choice. Oh, I mean, he could be around three pick by the time Dude, we get he to could August. Be, he could be around two pick. Yeah, if, sure. he's, if he's playing in the preseason and he looks like nothing ever happened to him, sure. and you know that offensive line in Washington is going to come back strong. Hopefully. And I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to come back and, and be the lead ball carrier for Washington. He might be back, but he won't be the lead sure, ball carrier. Sure, they have quarterback questions too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys should marks be, in guys should be in real good shape. There, there is such a wide range where he could end up going at all. He, he could go from undrafted to the second round, sure. literally could go anywhere in between then based on his health and a lot of other smaller factors. Right. And then you have a lot of the retread running backs uh, that went after him. Drake, Ingram, Lamar Miller, Jordan Howard. Uh, again, Miller, they may decide to move on from him. His cap number just, uh, escalates to a point where they may not be comfortable with his production, although he did average 4.6 yards per carry in 2018, which was his best number since uh, joining the Texans. Ingram could move on from the Saints or vice versa. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, he's interesting to me because I think, you know, we've seen him over 16 games still be very good. He's going to be 30 years old. 
if he goes to a team that does not feature him to the same level that the Saints did, which, as we know, they didn't feature him very much, is this a little bit of a reach for Mark Ingram? Or Big could time. you see his value maybe improve similar to what we talked about with some of the free agent guys? I'm not going to. I'm not going to feel good about Mark Ingram no matter where he goes. He's just getting to be a little too old, and I don't know if he can carry a, a big workload. Um, I don't know if he'll be in a position to carry a big workload. Sure. I, I, so I, think I thought this was – I thought the running backs in round five, um, a lot of them were head scratchers to me, especially considering which running backs went in round six. I thought the running backs – and we'll talk about them in a minute. I thought that those were far more – I thought those were more round five type of running backs – than the ones that actually went in round five. Um, I, I'm very nervous about the future for Mark Ingram. I hate to say it. He's a good dude. Oh, sure. I mean, look, anytime you leave an explosive offense, it's not exactly an encouraging thing. You know, you don't want to see guys go to a worse situation. But, you know, we'll see where some of these new coaches land. Like, just say, for example, if uh, Bruce Arians takes a job somewhere, potentially Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and signs somebody like Mark Ingram, I'm going to love Mark Ingram in that spot. You know, so... Uh, he does wonders for his running backs. So, and let's face facts: like Mark Ingram could begin a training camp with a team, call it Tampa Bay, and they'll have a couple of other. Ronald Jones will still be there, and sure. maybe they draft another guy, and things happen. Ronald Jones could still be afraid of getting hit, and the rookie might not be good. And all of a sudden, Mark Ingram is right at the brink of getting 15 plus touches a week, and he can't be bad to start the season with. He's a zero RB guy in that type of situation, and he might be a zero RB player regardless of where he ends up. The type of running back that you'll take, not round five, but a little bit after that, that you'll say, okay, I'm going to load up at wide receiver and tight end and maybe a quarterback too, and I'll just begin the year with Mark Ingram and see where it goes from there. Round six starts with uh, your pick of Cooper Cup, followed by Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Damian Williams, Chris Godwin. I took Tevin Coleman, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Devontae Freeman, Evan Ingram, Dante Pettis, and then Hunter Henry comes off to end the round. One more time, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Damian Williams, Chris Godwin, Tevin Coleman, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Devontae Freeman, Evan Ingram, Dante Pettis, and Hunter Henry. Okay, so you asked me in round five what I thought of your Darius Geis pick. I'm going to ask you what you thought of my Cooper Cup pick. Oh, I think it's the right spot for him. You know, I, I think you, you look at what he was able to do when he was healthy. The question will become when we get to August is, is he ready for the start of camp? Is he ready for the start of the season? You know, th- those will be the issues with him. So yeah, he's, he's in the, uh, 25 to 30th, 30-ish range of wide receivers, which I don't have the numbers in terms of what the guys were drafted receivers, but this is where they're starting to come to play. Like I would have taken him over Cortland Sutton just to give you an example of a guy who went ahead of him. Me too. Um, but this is, look, we're, we're getting to the point of, what players do you think have the most upside? That's what you're doing when, you know, there are no guarantees, obviously, with any player. But, you know, when you start to get into the middle rounds, is where we're getting to, who has a chance to be a starter for me? And Cooper Cup, as we saw before he got hurt, was one of the go-to guys for Jared Goff, one of the go-to guys in an explosive offense, and just unfortunate that he suffered the knee injury when he did. Right. So I drafted him to be my number two wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And it's not the best number two wide receiver. You just talked about how you view him as – in that 25 to 36 type of wide receiver range, I think in a PPR he can be a little bit better than that. No, I said 25 to 30. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't 20, expect, expect him to fall much Non-top 24. Let's call it that. Yeah, and if, I think if, he if, can make the cut of a top 24 in PPR on draft day. Sure, if he's healthy. I, I don't, I don't sure. disagree. And that, I'm baking on that. Yeah, it's not. So a, I was, I was very happy to take Cooper Cup. I, I think it's a great conversation just with the receivers in this round because you have Tyler Lockett, who was awesome. 
but doesn't catch the ball very much, but he was a great fantasy receiver, and he closed the season with his last game in the playoffs when he had four catches for 120 yards, showing you what the upside is, with three straight games of at least 12 PPR points. That's a starting caliber PPR wide receiver. Yep. And then you have the host of young guys. Second year, Calvin Ridley. Second year, DJ Moore. Second year, Dante Pettis. Third year, Chris Godwin. Third year, Mike Williams. These all were the receivers who went in this round. And so you look at the third year guys. I don't know if Mike Williams is going to get dramatically better in this offense with Hunter Henry coming back. He was good at times, but very inconsistent. And I don't know if you're going to get that breakout season. I'm hoping for it because I like Chris Godwin's situation, but we don't know who the coach is going to be. And as we saw, he was good at times, but disappointing at others. Now, Deshaun Jackson's gone, so I like the upside for Chris Godwin. But what about the second-year guys? Okay, so you've heard Adam Azer say Dante Pettis is going to be one of the players he targets. He was great once Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwin started battling injuries, and we'll get Jimmy Garoppolo back. You have DJ Moore, who showed flashes when Cam Newton was 100% healthy, but will he be that guy next year? And then Calvin Ridley, who was a little bit touchdown dependent, but certainly showed flashes of being a great wide receiver. I think this is the spot where Cooper Cup mixes in with all these guys. This was a great round of taking receivers that have plenty of upside. Where their ceiling goes, maybe not be the same ceiling that Cooper Cup has, because we've seen it. But still, that's where these guys sort of fall into play. So uh, this is... Where you, again, you start to take chances on guys that have high ceilings, maybe lower floors, but high ceilings. Uh, the Damien Williams pick I thought was amazing. Um, and this is one that I overlooked myself. I would have probably taken him over Darius Geis. And so if he does come back next season as the guy with maybe a rookie compliment, I would not be surprised that Damien Williams is the best running back in Kansas City in 2019. That would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it, by the way, if he does come into camp as the lead guy, however oh, far Oh, then round six, forget oh, no. about it. He's, it's going to be round two, round three. I don't know that high because we saw some of the guys there. Maybe back end of round three. he's the guy but in round, Kansas City's round four, run game? Look, he's, he's, he's not exactly a featured guy over the course of 16 games. It will depend on who else they have on the roster. But I think no later than round four. I, I was very curious to see where he was going to go in this draft because there's so much uncertainty with him. The, here's what we know is that Damian Williams will be on the Chiefs roster in 2019. He could be anywhere from the lead guy to special teams contributor catches three balls a game. There's, there is so much yeah. fluctuation mm-hmm. with him, but round six is right around the time where you're going to start taking players that have that type of crazy high upside and crazy low downside. And you talked about it with a lot of the receivers that went and I, I don't have a problem with him going here uh, in this draft. And then you look at the running backs that went in late round five. Drake, Ingram, Miller, Howard. Oh, he's got more upside than all. Doesn't he? Mm-hmm. As of now. At, that's what you got to go yep, on if sure. you're drafting in January. I thought also another interesting pick was, was Devontae Freeman. Now, I took Tevin Coleman with the thought of, you know, again, we don't know where he's going to end up playing. But, but not it, in Atlanta. Uh, I, I tell you what, I could see him in Kansas City. You know, he's the type of guy that they could turn into a, a star just based on he's a one-cut-and-go, uh, you know, catches the ball at backfield. At least he did, you know, early in his career. Uh, they didn't use him as much as I would have liked to see them in Atlanta this season or really under Steve Sarkeesian. But, um, you know, between Coleman and Devontae Freeman's another running back that went in this uh, round who should, you know, hopefully bounce back at 100%. And I, I would expect 10-plus games of, of good fantasy production if he's healthy. So you have Williams, Coleman, and Freeman – Coleman's a wild card because he's not always going to play, but Williams could be the best of that bunch, and I think that uh, 
That probably goes without saying. And then two other. He could also be the worst of that. He could be the worst of bunch. You're right. He, he, like you said, you can make the case for all three of them to be the best or the worst. Yep. And all three guys can end up being a round or potentially two or three higher, depending on how healthy they are and or their situations. Uh, And and this makes my case for why I took Johnson and. Aaron Jones. Oh, sure, sure. But the flip side is, is you're, you're counting on Cooper Cup to be your, your second wide receiver. And, and if he's not, then I can find another receiver that can hopefully sure. and cover. It's easier to find the receiver than the running back. Maybe not, as we saw this season. In the, PPR, I think it's easier. Uh, well, we saw a lot of running backs coming out of nowhere. Damien Williams being one in particular that was uh, fantastic. Sure. Philip Lindsay. And Aaron Jones and Kerryon Aaron. Johnson. So um, it's one of those situations where all these positions in the NFL today are wide open. Uh, I would agree it's typically easier to find wide receivers and running backs, but don't overlook the fact that we're going to have a lot of rookies in this or several rookies in this upcoming class that are going to be mid to late round picks in fantasy drafts because I don't think a lot of them are going to be guaranteed starting roles like we saw for the past couple of seasons. Surprised to see six tight ends go in the first six rounds? Not at all. Um, I actually was surprised that O.J. Howard was not one of them. I was surprised to see Evan Ingram as one of them, but this kind of goes with where we are with our draft boards and And, projections. uh, I didn't hear Rob Gronkowski's name. Um, Yes, we will get into guys Mm -hmm. like Gronkowski, guys like uh, O.J. Howard. Uh, You'll see that Kareem Hunt was drafted in this league, as was Josh Gordon, potentially by the same owner. So we'll get into more of that on Thursday. That wraps up our first six rounds of our first PPR mock draft. I hope you enjoyed that little recap of it. Um, Before we get into the wildcard games, let's talk about SeatGeek. We love SeatGeek. I just used SeatGeek a few weeks ago, and it was so easy and it saved me money. I actually went to go see Hamilton this past weekend. I loved it. It was awesome, and SeatGeek was a big part of helping me get there. By the way, if you want to take $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, just download the app and use the code FFT. That's code FFT for $10 off your first purchase. Like I said, I saw Hamilton. SeatGeek helped me get a little bit of a discount, and it was well worth every cent that I paid. Thank you, SeatGeek, for that help there. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites, grades every ticket based on value, saves you time, and more importantly, saves you money. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. Remember, you could save $10. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FFT. That's promo code FFT for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. So, Did you love Hamilton? I absolutely loved it. It was Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. You, uh, whose idea was it to go? Yours or your wife's? Uh, this was for your anniversary. It was, so my wife's birthday is right after Christmas and our anniversary is the beginning, uh, you know, right into the start of the new year. So, um, it's fun and interesting and challenging to get gifts, uh, for the holidays and her birthday and our anniversary all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit creative and not just, uh, here's a piece of jewelry or here's a piece of clothing or here's, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, some free time away from the children. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was even trying to do some things that we could do together. And so that was where we went to see him. Awesome. Yeah, it was Happy anniversary. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So let's get into the wild card round. Um, I don't really want to focus too much on the guys who are still playing because we have plenty of time over the next couple of weeks, you know, depending how far they go to recap their fantasy value, but just kind of an eye on maybe what's happening uh, for the guys that have finished playing and where they will sort of slot in next year. So the Colts beat the Texans 21 to seven. Um, Andrew Luck, 19 of 32 for 221, two touchdowns, one interception, also ran eight times for 29 yards. Marlon Mack was a star, 24 carries for 148 yards and a touchdown. It was his best performance of the season. Two catches for six yards on three, t- uh, three targets. Uh, T.Y. Hilton did not have his usual dominant game against the Texans, but still had five catches for 85 yards on 10 targets. Dontrell Inman, who I liked as a sleeper coming into this game, four catches, 53 yards and a touchdown on four targets. And Eric Ebron, 
once again, doing what Eric Ebron does, three catches, 26 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. For the Colts, Dave, anything that stood out to you aside from just Marlon Mack and his amazing performance? I was excited to see Dontrell Inman um, be such a big factor, and we've seen him step up in the last couple of weeks to be that number two receiver. And I wonder if he's pulling himself into that job in 2019. If he's with the team, he's a free agent going into this well, offseason. Sure, but so. he's trying to earn that contract to stay with the Colts and, and to get Yeah, that but job. he also may be commanding a salary that made, uh, you know, price him out of it. And will the Colts who have, you know, these whole host of other guys, they just spent money on Ryan Grant and, uh, have Chester Rogers and may consider going a little bit younger at that spot. They and, could, but they're also one of two teams with over a hundred million in cap space. Do you spend it on Dontrell Inman though? I don't think Dontrell Inman's going to command. $10 million a year, which uh, is what Dante Moncrief just got. Sure, but you also may look at Inman saying, I'm not settling for this hometown discount. I'm going to look for dollars elsewhere coming off a strong playoff performance and a strong close of the season. Like you said, he scored a touchdown in three straight games, maybe rehabilitating his value to the league or at least showing the league that he has some value. So, so that's interesting. So it's either going to be another team in the league sees him and goes, all right, I, I want to get this guy. Here's sure. $5 million a year. Or the Colts say, you know what? You did a nice job for us. Here's $4 million a year. Stick around. Or, to your point, they have a lot of money to spend here. $7 million a year, but we're only giving you a two-year deal as opposed to a three- or four-year deal. And take the higher money now to you know continue what you started. Cool. It's, it's the Colts will be wise and judicious with how sure. they spend their money. They're certainly going to try and extend some of their veterans while they're at it when they have all this cap space. Um, but he's, he's certainly doing what he can to earn that long-term role. Ebron is just, he, he's amazing. Just the fact that the Texans lined him up with Matthew in the red zone with, with no other big body on him. I thought that that was a big mistake and it's a no brainer. The guy's like six, five, I think. So just an absolute matchup nightmare. I'd like to see him continue to get targets and be used more aggressively outside of the red zone. That, who, who, whoever says that about a, a tight end? I want to see more usage outside of the red zone because yeah, he's been just so amazing in the red zone. Uh, people are going to be excited to draft Eric Ebron next year. Who'd have thunk it? And T.Y. Hilton got off to a really good start in the game, and I think the Texans tried to do some things to take him away, and the Colts were able to take advantage of that, A, by leaning on Inman, and Rodgers had four catches, mm -hmm. and B, Marlon Mack had some much clearer lanes to run through. And you talked about that offensive line. It's such a huge factor for Indy because not only does it help Andrew Luck out, but it helps Marlon Mack out as well. Oh, it's, it's I mean. Just this is a tough out for Kansas City. On Saturday, I, I, I think the Colts are going to win. I think they may end up actually playing in the Super Bowl. They're just—I haven't decided, but I think I might be with you. Unbelievable role. I think the Colts easily cover the spread. Though. I don't think that the Chiefs run away from them by any stretch. Uh, for the Texans, Deshaun Watson, twenty-nine of forty-nine passing for two hundred thirty-five yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had eight carries for seventy-six yards. He was sacked three times. That tends to be the norm for him. Lamar Miller cannot get any running room. Five carries for eighteen yards, but he did make some plays in the passing game. Eight catches for sixty-three yards on ten targets. DeAndre Hopkins battled through a shoulder injury, finished with five catches for 37 yards on 10 targets. And the star of the game for the Texans was Kiki QT, 11 catches for 110 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets. This was after he had missed the final five games of the regular season with a hamstring injury. And in his rookie season, he only appeared in six games because of various injuries, mostly due to his hamstring. Uh, Demarius Thomas, just, just to tie in some news here with QT and some of the Texans, Thomas, who suffered the Achilles injury in week 16, said that he does not plan to retire. He's going to be 31 years old, but he might not be back with the Texans based on what his salary implications will be. 
And also, let's not forget, they have Will Fuller coming back from last year's torn ACL. So, I mean, it's easy to say what the main guys are. Deshaun Watson's going to be a top five to seven quarterback, depending on whatever rankings list you look at. He'll be, you hear we didn't mention him in the first six rounds. He'll be in the seven to 12 range, obviously, uh, a number one quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins was drafted in our recent, most recent mock draft. First round guy, no question about that. And then you have the second tier receivers for Houston. So let's assume they decide to, to bring Demarius Thomas back. I don't think that's going to be the case, but maybe they lower his salary and bring him back on a cheap one year deal. Uh, he restructures his contract. How do you view Fuller, QT, Thomas? Because that's the way I would rank them. I think I'd rank them that way as well. I, I wouldn't want Demarius Thomas on my fantasy team unless it's like 18th round pick, something right. like that. Uh, QT and PPR, he's going to have some dud games when they're able to run the ball, and when they can't, he's going to have seven, eight catches, and he'll be exciting in full PPR. And Will Fuller should be able, he should be able to do what he's been doing, which is just beating defenses deep, and Deshaun Watson's in trouble, and he's flushed out of the pocket, and so his check down pass is the 60-yard bomb to to Will Fuller. It's funny, he threw one to Vincent Smith, who got all turned yep. around and didn't yep. know where he was going, and I was thinking as soon as he let the ball go, I'm like, that's a if touchdown that's to Will Fuller. Fuller. Yeah. yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised QT didn't get a couple of those deep ball opportunities. He's not really that guy though. He's got speed. Yeah, but he's more of a shifty guy. He's not really more of just a downfield go up and win because he's small, you know, go up and no, win. No, he 50, can't go 50. up and win, but if he beats his man and has a step on his man, sure. he can bring in that pass too. Sure. They, I didn't see that from them this year. And maybe that's an element that they add to him, but I think there's no doubt he's their slot receiver of the future. And yeah, I think, there's, I think there's no doubt that you're looking at 80 plus targets for him in 2019. It's a it's a, it's a fun receiving core if Will Fuller's back at 100 percent because Kiki QT did show us some signs of greatness when he was healthy. He just had a hard time staying healthy again. Missed uh, only he only missed 10 games during the course of the regular season. I, but you see what the upside is. Uh, Lamar Miller, like we talked about, went in the fifth round. If he's back with Houston, is that just the spot you'll see him go? One He'll those, be one of those running backs that you're just, ah, he's a starter. He'll do some things. I mean, look, 1,100 total yards in 14 games. He scored six touchdowns. Again, it was his best yards per carry with this team. Second best, uh, third best of his career. Second best since 2014 when he was with the Dolphins. So, uh, he's not getting younger, but he's still productive enough. But that was without Deontay Foreman playing the majority of the season with that Achilles injury coming back from that. We'll see what role he plays. Uh, in taking touches away from the Texans. I would not be surprised if they did move on from Lamar Miller and bring in somebody else. That could be a spot for maybe Le'Veon Bell. could be a spot for Mark Ingram. could be a spot for one of the second-tier guys. Coleman. Tevin Coleman or T.J. Eldon, one of those type of guys. I'm well. hoping that Houston learns from Indianapolis's mistakes of the past and they bulk up their offensive line. They, ha- they have to. Oh, I After think, all the well, I mean, 62 sacks for Deshaun Watson this a- past year. Every every team would love to have the offensive line that the Colts have, and we've seen teams try it and succeed. Mm-hmm. Teams try sacked. it. And fail. Yep. The Chargers beat the Ravens 23 to 17. Uh, just an amazing defensive performance from the Chargers and how they defended the Ravens. They had just played each other in week 16 and it was Baltimore doing whatever they wanted to on both sides of the ball. This time, not the case. The score is a little bit misleading. The, the Ravens had a nice comeback attempt at the end of the game that fell a little bit short, but more so what the Chargers did over three and a half quarters, I think is what you look at and what was impressive. Now, Phillip Rivers did not have a great game statistically. 22 of 32 for 160 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He actually had a robust three carries for 15 yards rushing, which is not typically what Phillip Rivers does, but a very sound game from him, just not a great fantasy game. Of the playoff quarterbacks, he was the worst. Melvin Gordon, 17 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown. 
one catch for three yards on one target. He did leave briefly with a left knee injury. That was not the same knee that bothered him a few weeks ago that caused him to miss three games. So uh, between the two knee injuries and the ankle, got some questions about can you trust Melvin Gordon as a guy, as a first-round pick next year? Yes, you can. Don't necessarily have to worry about that unless it becomes more of a problem throughout the playoffs. We'll see. Uh, Austin Eckler, 11 carries for 29 yards, four catches for 14 yards on four targets. And Keenan Allen, four catches for 37 yards on six targets. He will be very happy to not see the Baltimore Ravens again. He did not have two good performances against them. Mike Williams, two catches for 42 yards on five targets and a two-point conversion. Uh, we'll talk more about the Chargers as we move on. But does anything stand out to you about how they played? As to how the Chargers played? Yeah. I mean, nothing that would cause you to change this your opinion is, on any of these guys. No. no Hunter Henry, not at all. They, they had a tough matchup, yeah, man. Yeah. Now, Hunter Henry will not, uh, did not play. We'll see if he's active. That's the report that he will be active for the, uh, the next round for them against the, uh, Patriots. We'll see how that goes. If he, in fact, he does come out there, but, um, I think you still look at it as you saw Gordon was a first round pick. Keenan Allen was a third round pick, I think. Yeah. Uh, he'll probably be a second round pick in PPR would be my guess. Um, as we get closer to the season. And then Mike Williams went around six. And Mike Williams went around six. That's probably a little bit too soon, but, um, you know, we'll see how this offense operates. Austin Eckler, we did not draft yet. Uh, for the Ravens, ugly game for Lamar Jackson until the end, but 14 of 29 passing for 194, two touchdowns, one interception. He had nine carries for 54 yards. He was sacked seven times, had three fumbles. He lost one of them. So needs a lot of work there. Gus Edwards, eight carries for 23 yards. Kenneth Dixon, six carries for 13 yards. Three catches, 53 yards on three targets. Willie Sneed, three for 50 on six targets. Michael Crabtree, two for 38 and two touchdowns on four targets. And John Brown had two catches for 14 yards on three targets. Uh, Andrews had three for 31 on seven targets from the tight end position and no Hayden Hurst at all. So uh, what would you learn about Lamar Jackson maybe to wrap up his season? Any hope for him as a fantasy starter next year? I don't think he's going to be drafted as number one guy, but certainly a high-end number two. No, everybody's going to remember this game when it comes to drafting Lamar Jackson in 2019, and so I don't blame you, him. Do you, I don't blame okay, him. But let me ask you this, though, and I understand what you're saying, but do you remember it from him just looking awful to start the game, or do you remember it as he was awful throughout the game but still got you 20 fantasy points? Uh, it's definitely going to be he looked like he didn't belong on an NFL field to start the game. And by the fourth quarter, he started to put some things together, but it was too little too late. And the Chargers weren't playing the same type of defense then that they were at the beginning of the game. Uh, I was extremely disappointed in the Ravens offense. I thought that they would lean much more on their running backs, but they couldn't convert third downs. Jackson was a big part of that. The offensive line was a massive letdown in the game. I thought that they oh, would Melvin have been won this much stronger. Mel- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, the lack of creativity trying to use, uh, Dixon more, use the tight ends. I, I, I guess he targeted Mark Andrews seven times. I can't say that that was. And Williams had a catch. Uh, too. Max Williams had a catch too. So. Sure. So they they tried to get those tight ends going, but they just they didn't attack downfield at all. The Chargers were daring them to try and do that, and the Ravens wouldn't. Would you have played Joe Flacco until the at end? All? Yeah. You would have put him in. I would have put him in before the half. I would have probably started the third quarter with him. I would have you know gone in. What were they down? Nine. Uh, they were down twelve at halftime, so they got the late field goal. So it was twelve nothing at halftime. That's certainly an easy uh, lead to bounce back from, but uh, they stuck with Lamar Jackson again. He did bring them back in the fourth quarter, but it was too little too late. 23-17, had they gotten an onside kick, who knows what they would have done. Uh, I think they need to really upgrade this receiving court, too. You have slow guys in, in Sneed and Crabtree, and John Brown isn't necessarily the number one type of receiver. He needs to be a two or three, uh, but he definitely did not play well when Lamar Jackson took over as the starter, so we'll see what happens with John Brown, who I believe was on a one-year contract, so 
Right. He says he wants to be back with the Ravens. Um, we'll see if the sure. Ravens want him back. And then uh, how do you approach the tight ends next year for Baltimore? Is it hands off? Because Hayden Hurst was somebody, you know, again, I'll let Heath talk about it when he gets here, but that was his guy. Um, I know I have him in one dynasty league. It's uh, it, 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 the lost rookie season for him, you know, whether due to injury or just poor play. Well, the injury didn't help, and it's going to be mixed use of all these tight ends. Mark Andrews, I believe, finished with the most targets and the best numbers. And he picked up his of play all Ravens with, tight with Lamar Jackson. Sure. So that just might be the guy that Lamar Jackson's the most comfortable with, and therefore he's the one that should get drafted first from the group. They're all going to be late-round stabs anyway. Yep. Uh, we'll see how this, uh, again, this receiving core looks like for the uh, Ravens. It's forward. too bad, man. The Ravens' defense really held up for a big part of this game. The, oh, the if, whole first half, man, they really were outstanding and, and, and to keep the Ravens in it. Some opportune plays, whether defense or special teams, in the second half with the uh, you know fumble recovery from C.J. Mosley, yep. the block punt. Yep. Uh, you know they did a great job in trying to get them back into the game, but um, you know just couldn't get enough. And again, only one sack on Philip Rivers, so give the Chargers' offensive line a, a big you know pat on the back because they were terrible in the first game against Baltimore. They couldn't block anybody. Uh, the Cowboys beat the Seahawks 24-21 for the Cowboys because we'll talk about them, you know, moving on. But Dak Prescott, 22 of 33 for 226, 1-1. Six carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. He could have had two rushing touchdowns in this game. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 26 for 137 and 1, 4 for 32 in the passing game on five targets. Another dominant performance for him. Amari Cooper, once again, getting eight-plus targets. Once again, coming through. Seven for 106 on nine targets. It's just amazing. He gets seven or less. He doesn't do anything. He gets eight or more, and he's a star. Uh, Michael Gallup, two for 18 in a touchdown on six targets, and the unfortunate situation with Alan Hearns dislocated his ankle in an ugly, yeah. ugly injury. Um, uh, all the reports are surgery went well for him, so hopefully he's able to yeah, resume his career. to play in August. Uh, yes, so hopefully that's the case for a good guy. Um, I don't think anything changes. Dak's going to be a borderline... Not a borderline number one guy. A borderline be, pick. Uh, I don't know. Oh, there will be some drafts went, where he doesn't get picked. In one quarterback leagues, probably so. But he played very, very well once he got Amari Cooper on his team. And so that puts him, I think, in the conversation to be in the top 15 of quarterbacks. He probably would not get drafted that way. But I would not be surprised if he finishes around 15 or higher just based on what he's shown us. And he's been running the ball a little bit better since they got Amari Cooper. Is this an offense that adds another receiver slash tight end that could so. put Dak on the map? I don't think so. They invested in the tight end, you know, between Blake Jarwin and, and Schultz uh, over the last couple of seasons. I don't know if that's the spot that they nearly necessarily have to upgrade unless there's a star that's available to them. Like, don't go get Jimmy Graham if he's cut by the the – the Packers, you know, stick with the young guys that maybe have a little bit more upside. And Jarwin showed us that he can make some plays when they start to feature him a little bit more. Uh, they obviously invested in Michael Gallup. He's a great number two guy. Colby's is a good slot receiver. Uh, it's a good receiving core when you have a guy that looks like a number one, which is Amari Cooper's kind of role. And he's played that, I think, very well once he came to Dallas. And obviously the run game being what it is, plus keeping Ezekiel Elliott more involved in the passing game. So you know what, what Zeke is, you know what Cooper is, and you really know what Dak is. Gallup will be a late round pick for the Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson, 18 of 27 for 233 and a touchdown. Three carries for 14 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson, this is one of the more disappointing things for me for the weekend. 13 for 20 on the ground. Two catches for minus one yard on three targets. Rashad Penny, four carries for 29 yards. Mike Davis, four carries for 10 yards. Two catches for 23, 22 yards on three targets. Tyler Lockett, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Four catches for 120 yards on six targets. Doug Baldwin was a little disappointing. Three for 32 on six targets. And J.D. McKissick did catch a touchdown on two catches for 13 yards on three targets. So uh, you saw Chris Carson in that draft go in the third round. Um, I know it's 
you know, looking at what just happened, but do you think he established himself enough to be a third round pick in or excuse, fourth round pick in fantasy? Or is he, uh, is somebody that going to be a little bit hard to trust given that Rashad Penny looks like he could take away significant carries? And that's the whole thing. It's that Rashad Penny is going to be there and it's going to, Pete Carroll's going to say, well, well, we got two great guys. They're both amazing. We got two number one running backs. And he'll, uh, he'll mix and match both of them. So I think it was a little too soon to go with Chris Carson. I love Chris Carson as a talent. I think he's, I think he could be the main running back there, but it's going to, he's up for competition. It's not going to be handed to him. Rashad Penny is going to compete for playing time. He'll push for it and he'll get upwards of eight carries per game at minimum. And if he has a great preseason and proves that he can put it all together, which he couldn't do this preseason, then he'll be the lead guy and Carson could be the backup. It'd be interesting to see how this all unfolds in, in training camp. Uh, the two receivers, Doug Baldwin in our, in our draft was drafted ahead of Lockett. He was in round five. Lockett was in round six. Do you see that maybe getting flipped next year? I think, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about whether or not Tyler Lockett's 2018 is sustainable. For starters, he played 16 games, which hasn't always been the case for him. He's been banged up, but he had 10 touchdowns and 965 yards. During the regular season. He had the fewest catches of any of the top 24 PPR. And watchers. probably the fewest targets too, right? He had 70 targets. I can't imagine that there were more. So I don't know if that's sustainable. I'm, I think I'd probably lean toward Baldwin, who did put it together toward the end of the season when he was healthy. And he's going to go into the offseason seemingly healthy. But getting older, Lockett, you know, this is his fourth season in the NFL. So, you know, still entering his prime. Um, I, I think you still take Baldwin in non PPR, but in, in PPR, but non PPR it may be a little bit closer just based on what the upside is. You know, Lockett's got that that touchdown ability where Doug Baldwin did not have that this season. Again, health could be a big reason why, but it'll be a fun conversation next year. Final game of the uh weekend, final game we'll talk about here. Eagles sixteen, Bears fifteen, Cody Parkey. Um could have been the hero, unfortunately was the goat, hit the upright and the crossbar on a forty three yard field goal attempt that seemed to apparently be tipped uh barely at the line of scrimmage, but Unfortunately for Parkey, please don't be an idiot that's making death threats to him. I mean, that's just so stupid. Um, he's a football player. He's trying to do his job. He would have been the hero had he made the kick. Unfortunately for him, that's just the nature of the position. He misses the kick barely, and the uh, Bears are eliminated. Uh, for the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, good performance, 26 of 43 for 303. One touchdown, three carries for nine yards. Good performance in terms of his fantasy, not necessarily on the field. Uh, made some good throws, though. He made some bad throws, uh, too. He made some bad throws, too. Looked uh, Looked a little choppy at times, especially early in the game. Jordan Howard, 10 for 35, disappointing for him. He had either a touchdown or 100 yards in each of his final four games. Three Cohen, another disappointing performance for him. One carry for no yards, three catches for 27 yards on five targets. Where was this Allen Robinson all season? Ten catches for 143 <laughs> yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. Taylor Gabriel, four for 37 on nine targets. Anthony Miller, three for 34 on five targets. And Trey Burton did not play in the game because of a groin injury. A mysterious groin injury. Uh, apparently got hurt in practice toward the end of the week, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, what were your thoughts from the Bears at the end of the season here? I was, I was surprised they didn't try running it a little bit more. Maybe it's just because they didn't have that much success in the beginning, but Tariq Cohen only had one carry, five targets. That's it. I thought they would have tried to get him more involved. I would have expected a little more work for Jordan Howard than 10 carries. Uh, and the, the Bears really didn't attack Philadelphia downfield much until the second half of the game. And that's when Allen Robinson really started to show his, what would it be then? His 2016 mm-hmm. form when he had that monster year. Yep. Yeah. Where was this guy all season long? It, it gives me some hope that maybe there will be a connection with Trubisky and that Robinson will be worth taking maybe as a wide receiver three 
on draft day with the potential to be much, much better than that. Yeah, no, it, uh, it would be nice to see a little bit more consistency from him. Um, based on, we didn't mention Allen Robinson yet in the draft, so he went after the first six rounds. Uh, yeah, I wonder if we did it today where he'd go. You're right. Uh, the, in that maybe right around where Cooper Cup went in that same type of range with the second year, third year receivers of Godwin and Mike Williams and Ridley and those guys, he probably would be in that round for sure. Um, so for the Bears, it's really going to be Robinson. I don't, and I mean, Anthony Miller and, and Taylor Gabriel, if Gabriel's back, will certainly be drafted. You still feel comfortable calling Miller the best Bears wide receiver next year? You still think that'll be, or do you think now it'll be Robinson after what you've seen? Cause Miller did not close and, the season play. Well. Right. It's, the end of the season. Um, yeah, maybe Miller's going to fall a little farther down my draft board now and be and, more of a sleeper that right. I'll speculate on rather than, all right, I'm going to draft him to be my wide receiver three. Right. Whereas Robinson will be the guy that I'll say, well, he did finish strong and he's been doing it for a while. So it's the safer pick. And as we alluded to, Cohen maybe went a little bit too soon in this draft. He was in the round four range. Yes. Yep. Too soon. And. Too soon. Uh, Jordan Howard in that retread guy is round five. I think that's kind of where he'll settle next year as well. For the Eagles, uh, I mean, look, Nick Foles, who knows where he'll be playing next season, but 266, two and two, both touchdowns came in the second half. Darren Sproles in the run game was really non-existent. Um, he led the running backs with 13 carries for 21 yards. I was really surprised that Josh Adams was just a non-factor, one carry for two yards. It's almost as if he was injured, but, uh, did not get any reports on that following the game. Alshon, Smallwood started. Uh, yeah, and he was, you know, uh, I, Unfortunately, it was one of the reasons for one of Foles' uh, interceptions where he yep. had the ball stripped from him yep. from Warcron Smith. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, 6 for 82 on 9 targets. Uh, Zach Ertz, 5 for 52 on 7 targets. Talked about him and Dallas Goddard. Goddard had 2 for 20 and a touchdown on 4 targets. Golden Tate showed up, made a big play, uh, justifying the trade, I guess at least for one game. 5 catches for 46 yards and a touchdown, the game-winning touchdown on 8 targets. Any takeaways from the Eagles right now? I, I thought that was a great play call at the end to have the Bears focus on Alshon Jeffrey um, running the corner flag route, and uh, Tate was right behind him with the weaker cornerback on him. They they went after the the weak spot in the defense, which was the backup slot corner, McManus, I believe it was, and uh, Tate scored. It was a nice play by him. I don't think it's going to be enough to make people think about taking him um, with, or certainly where he was taken this year, but he's a free agent, if I recall correctly. Uh, after the year, and we'll see where he ends up going. If he's in Philadelphia, then I don't know if he'll be someone that will be excited about drafting. Uh, I was a little disappointed with Nelson Aguilar. I thought he would have had a better game. Yep, uh, had a, a nice catch and, and a move on the sideline, but not really a significant factor. Mike Wallace did not play, um, so we'll see how this uh, unfolds for the Eagles next week in their game against the Saints. All right, let's go through some rapid-fire rapid, twi- rapid fire tweets to close the show. Our buddy Jim Size wants to know, 12-team half PPR, keep Melvin Gordon with a third-round pick, Marlon Mack with an 11-round pick, Gus Edwards or Josh Adams in the 15th round. Um, which of those guys would you recommend? Uh, Melvin Gordon was a third-round pick, you yep. said? I'd probably go there, but Mack was where? Give the me the 11th round. And I can only pick one of those guys? You can only keep one. And I, how long can I keep them for? One year. Price? For Every one- keeper question, unless I tell you, is one year. <laughs> okay, I'll keep Melvin. You'll keep Melvin Gordon, okay. I will keep Marlon Mack in the 11th round. Uh, PPR Keeper League, uh, keeping Ertz with a third round value, can keep two of these guys. Kenny Galladay in the 7th round, Cortland Sutton in the 6th round, Chris Godwin in the 8th round, uh, Traquan Smith in the 16th round, Anthony Miller in the 16th round, Curtis Samuel in the 16th round, or Chris Carson in the 5th round. Galladay in the 7th, Sutton in the 6th, Godwin in the 8th, Traquan in the 16th, Anthony Miller 16th, Samuel 16th, Carson 5th round. 
You you had me at Kenny. Galladay in round seven. And one more. Um, it might be Godwin. Godwin was round eight, I believe you said. Godwin was round eight, so you'd keep him over Chris Carson in the fifth. Yeah, because I think Carson's going to end up going right around that spot when everything's all said and done with Rashad Penny. I think Godwin's more of a bargain there, especially uh, in a PPR. I will take uh, Carson in the fifth just because it seems there's three keepers. A lot of guys are going to round uh, dry up. Uh, yes, that's uh, yes. Keep George Kittle, George Kittle in the thirteenth round. All right, so always a good round. idea to keep Kittle in round thirteen. All right, got to keep two. Got to get to keep two keepers. Uh, have both Carry On Johnson and Aaron Jones. Thoughts on both? Nice. Both will have new offenses. Uh, that's not really a question. Well, you, you'd obviously keep Carry On Johnson and Aaron Jones if you can. Of course. Especially if they're late picks. If, if the question was about how might they be used next year, let's see who the coordinators are. You know, for years, the Lions were using two, three running backs and it was frustrating. You all got a taste of that this year until Carry On broke out. I think Carry On's got a very good chance to be the featured back in Detroit. All right. Keep four of these five. Patrick Mahomes, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, or DeAndre Hopkins? Mahomes, Gurley, McCaffrey, Chubb, or Hopkins? My God. Does it say how many teams are in the league? Assume 12. Gurley, McCaffrey, and Chubb are the three running backs? Yep. My goodness. Am I throwing back Nick Chubb, or am I throwing back Patrick Mahomes? I'm throwing back Mahomes. I'm keeping Gurley, McCaffrey, Chubb, and Hopkins. If it's a 12-team league, I think I'm throwing back Chubb. All right, keep one. Uh, Nick Chubb for a 15th-round pick. Zach Ertz for a 12th-round pick. Oh, I'm sorry, this is money. Keep Nick Chubb for a $15, Zach Ertz for $12, or Adam Thielen for $20 in a $200 half PPR auction league. Chubb for 15 Ertz for 12 Thielen for 20 Thielen's last on the list. Um, I, th- I think I'd go... I think I'd go with Chubb. I'm going to go Ertz at $12. Um, do I keep James Conner or Kelsey in a two-player keeper league or throw them back and get the first two draft picks back? So would you rather, as 10 teams, two Conner and Kelsey teams. and not pick till round three? I'm fine with that. Not pick till round three. Okay, so Conner essentially be round one, Kelsey round two. Sure, that's great. Um, one keeper exchange for draft pick or round selected. Took guys specifically for keeper implications in the 14th round, wondering if Lindsay has changed her mind on who to keep. So would you rather keep... And lose their draft compensation. Geis in round fourteen or Lindsay in round twelve. I'd keep Lindsay. Yes, I keep Lindsay. His knees are intact. Uh keep two. Tyreek Hill for a fourth round pick, Patrick Mahomes for a tenth round pick, or carry on Johnson for a seventh round pick. This is a, we're gonna be tested with these Mahomes questions all all off season. I think I'm keeping Mahomes. You no you keep two. Oh, carry on and Mahomes. I'm throwing back Tyreek Hill in the fourth. You throw on carry. Okay. I probably would go with, uh, I'm going to throw back Mahomes. I'm going to keep Tyreek and carry on and just go with the, uh, skill players. Um, would you rather keep, we'll do two more of these. David Johnson for a first round pick or Robert Woods for a ninth round pick? <laughs> it almost didn't matter who you said after David Johnson for a first round pick. I was going to take the other guy. Like, I don't think David Johnson's a first rounder. Go with Woods. Okay. Here's an interesting one. Okay. Last one. We'll close with this one. All right. Keep two in a PPR league. Julio Jones, Juju Smith Schuster, James Conner or Le'Veon Bell? I'm not keeping Le'Veon um, because of the age restriction for him. I think I'm keeping the receivers. You're keeping Julio and Juju? Yeah. Okay, but it's just one year. So just for 2019. You just drafted Julio and James Conner over Juju. If it's for one year, then I'll throw back Juju. 
So you're keeping Julio and, and James Conner. Remember, not Dynasty, just Keeper. So you're just talking usually one season for those guys. All right, thank you for the questions. We'll get through more of them as we get throughout the course of these next few weeks. I apologize that this show went long. I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at from Adam Azer. Uh, we'll be back again on Thursday. He's coming, so hopefully we'll be back with us. For Dave Richard, I'm Jamie Eisenberg. Thanks for listening. Gotta go back. Na, 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 na.